0: She had snatched him up for he was a social cut above her, but now she was bored and the tight, sharp lines beside her mouth grooved deeper every year. Harry Carlyle stolidly buckled on his gas mask. It was regulations to wear it and it would be a fine thing if the block warden didn't set the example. Her voice, higher, shriller, followed him down the spotless walk past the rose bushes he treasured time now to spray or the aphids would be doing their work. The aphids were mixed up in his mind with the Germans and the sound of Janet's voice. If there had been children. He opened the gate. She followed him down the walk. Bunch of doddering old men. He clenched his jaw and kept on walking making themselves out to be soldiers and wardens and all those fancy titles, and you won't even take time to get out now for a bit of cards. And this silly, stupid, phony war, that's what they're calling it? I read it in the daily news, the phony war. It's closed everything down, and there never was any fun in this town anyway. I wish we'd never come here. He lowered his head and walked up the lane the sweet, chill rush of an April breeze cooling the flush in his cheeks. He could still hear Janet. Even if there is war, it won't come here. Nothing ever happens in Coventry, and nothing ever will happen in Coventry. Tuesday morning, May 14th. Boys, I want you to promise you won't go outside. They stared at their grandfather. Jan was blonde and blunt-faced like his father. Dirk was small and slight and dark, like his mother. Promise me now, boys. His voice was high with strain. He had huddled near the stairwell with his grandson since the bombing began shortly after dawn. Radio Rotterdam announced that German warplanes were attacking. All civilians were warned to take cover and all soldiers ordered to join their units. Jan kept darting to an upstairs window, wriggling away from his grandfather's staying hand. Oh, Dirk, the sky is full of them black planes and silver ones, and you can see the bombs falling like black fish. Jan, come back down those stairs immediately! Just before noon, a piercing shrill whistle shocked them into stiff silence. Then, Grandfather Grönveld, pulled both boys to him, and pressed them against the stairwell wall, shielding them with his body. The explosion rocked their house. Glass splintered and tables shook. A thick, grayish dust sifted through the rooms. The three of them edged to the front window, its glass shattered now and the white lace curtains shredded. Oh, Dirk thought, wouldn't his mother be mad? They looked across the street. The chimney of the Velen house stood in a shallow crater. A tongue of fire flickered, then whooshed into a fan of flame as a gas line ignited. Dirk stared at the crater solemnly. Miss Velen always gave him a pastry when he went to play with Conrad. If she and Conrad and Corey were in the house when the bomb struck, his face furrowed. Come back now, boys. Away from the window. It was one o'clock when the radio announced that the main hospital had been struck. The extent of damage and the number injured were unknown. It was then that their grandfather, gray-faced, his hands trembling, had warned them to stay in the house. He had to go. Their mother, his daughter, was a nurse at the hospital. Wave after wave of bombers swept over Rotterdam, the bombs falling so fast the explosions coming so thickly that thunder merged into thunder. Once again, the shrill, high-piercing whistle warned them a bomb was coming near. The house shook again. A picture of the Moss River that hung against the wainscoting in the hall tipped suddenly sideways, then fell, crashing heavily against the floor. Jan jumped up. Dirk, you stay here. I'm going to go down to the fire station. I can help. Dirk tried to grab his older brother's hand. He did slow him, but Jan was almost fifteen and big for his age, broad-shouldered, strong. He shook Dirk off. I tell you, Dirk, you stay here.